0: Welcome to Healthy Outcomes, brought to you by Baker Tilly, bringing you the latest trends and hottest topics in healthcare. Baker Tilly is a leading advisory tax and assurance firm dedicated to helping healthcare organizations explore ways in which they can win now and anticipate tomorrow. Let's go there.
1: Hi, my name is Mark Ross, and I'm the leader of Baker Tilly's healthcare provider practice. Joining me for today's Healthy Outcomes podcast are two of my Baker Tilly colleagues, Kevin Coonan and Michelle Ray. Kevin is a principal, and Michelle is a senior manager in our healthcare solutions practice. Kevin, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: Good to be here, Mark. You bet. All right. So our topic of conversation today is something that's of interest certainly, or has become of significant interest, to healthcare providers and health plans across the country since early 2022. And that would be the No Surprises Act, or abbreviated, we use NSA, but NSA is legislation that became effective January 1st of 2022 for commercial health plans. And what the legislation did was it effectively bans what's referred to as balance billing, and we'll talk more about balance billing, for air ambulance, emergency situations, and in cases where an out-of-network specialist is used in otherwise in-network scenarios. And in this context, when I talk about out-of-network specialist, I'm really referring to a healthcare provider that does not have a contract with the patient's health plan, right? The patient that they're providing services to, they don't have a contract with that, that health plan. But overall, the impact of the No Surprises Act has been and will continue to be significant. It's estimated that in this country, as many as one in five ER visits, emergency room visits, results in a balance bill. About 10% of in-network visits includes an out-of-network physician providing care to a patient. So you've got a group of physicians providing care to a patient. Well, it could very well be that one or two of those physicians are out-of-network. In 2022, it's estimated that 12 million surprise bills were avoided as a result of the, of the NSA. That's a big deal. 12 million is a big number. But to be clear, this is for commercial health plans only. It does not apply to services payable by or patients covered by Medicare, Medicaid, CHIP, or TRICARE. So, again, that was just a little background from my perspective on the NSA. Michelle and Kevin are going to be providing our audience here, our listeners, with a lot more information as we go through some of our our dialogue. But, Michelle, before we dive too deeply into NSA... And you're going to cover the provider side of things relative to NSA. But before we dive too deeply, can you give us a little more background on yourself and the types of work that you do for our healthcare provider clients here at Baker Tilly?
0: Sure. So my name is Michelle Ray. I'm a senior manager here at Baker Tilly. I've been with the organization for several months now. My background has been in the managed care industry my whole career working for several health plans and provider organizations, both established and startup organizations, running the operations. So basically running the health plan. And that includes network development, contracting, member services, vendor management, claims, customer service. So really all of the key operational functions that go into a health plan. Currently at Baker Tilly, I am in the healthcare solutions practice I work largely on the provider side, but I'm also doing some payer work. On the provider side, we do a lot of work when it comes to managed care contracting, benchmarking, transparency files, rate negotiation, and overall projects, even some interim management for several systems or health plans. So I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to talking about the NSA. It's a hot topic out there for both providers and payers.
1: Michelle, thank you. Thank you for that that background. Kevin, it's your turn. Give us a little bit of background on yourself. Sure. Thanks, Mark. So as Mark said, I'm a
2: principal in Baker Tilly's Healthcare Solutions Group. I'm based here in Chicago. I spend most of my time working with health plans payers primarily in their network function, network operations, reimbursement. So the, the arrangements that the health plans have with their provider network, and those are extensive, big networks, and there's many different ways to pay providers. And that reimbursement expertise has led me into helping with the No Surprises Act. We've been helping health plans with a number of areas in No Surprises, but in the last couple of years, primarily with generating these qualified payment amounts, we're going to talk a little about that, I think, when we get into the podcast and spend some considerable time with my health plans working you know, on that topic. And then really glad to be working with Michelle as well. We also collaborate on the payer side and the, and the provider side to help our clients in both aspects of the of those two stakeholder groups. So excited to be here to talk about NSA. Pretty amazing legislation that, as you noted, it's really beneficial to
1: members and to employer groups. Kevin, thank you for that background. So Michelle, let's dive into it from a provider perspective. And as our listeners know, most of our podcasts, by the way, and I, I should have said this at the outset, most of our podcasts are focused on pure healthcare provider issues and matters. But today, NSA obviously impacts both providers and payers, so we wanted to bring the payer perspective here today as well, which is why we have Kevin joining us. So starting with providers, Michelle, from from your perspective, and based on the work you've been doing with some of our clients relative to NSA, what are the top opportunities that NSA presents for providers?
0: Yeah, so there are a lot of opportunities. I do want to stress that because I think what the NSA has done has, as Kevin just said, been very beneficial for members. It's a great piece of legislation that impacts the members. But on the provider side, I think first blush is there's an administrative burden to complying with it. And what we're going to talk about is the opportunities. I think that providers should take a look at when it comes to the NSA. So, for example, it gives them the opportunity to decrease the administrative burden to remain out of network. So thinking about becoming an in-network contracted provider really streamlines a lot of the processes for provider offices. Also, becoming an in-network provider and, and not remaining out of network or not contracted gives an opportunity for more volume, more volume of members, revenue volume, referral volume. Also, too, it gives you the ability to forecast your revenue because you're in a network provider, you have a fee schedule and you know what that fee schedule is. So it decreases the financial unknowns. And also it gives the office an understanding that they know what the fees are up front. So when a member has a copay or a member has coinsurance, they often can now collect that money at the time of service instead of waiting for a health plan to pay them on an out-of-network basis because they didn't know what they were going to get paid. So there's a big benefit to be a network. So just to run through some of these, expand your payer base. If you expand your payer base as a provider, you're expanding your referral network, you're expanding volume, you're increasing revenue revenue. You're improving your rate negotiation leverage because you now have contracts with several payers and you have that knowledge in terms of what payers or what each payer is paying you. And you can use that during negotiations. You can partner with health plans. You know, health plans are looking for partners that are mission driven and that share their strategy. And in terms of operational efficiency, it really improves operational efficiency by being in network. It reduces a lot of the burden, the paperwork burden that exists when you're out of network. So it's really, you know, looking at those major categories, there really is a lot of opportunities for providers. And I think that's one of the key areas that providers really need to consider when, you know, they're complying with the No Surprises Act. It it really gives them a lot of opportunity. Now, of course, there's some operational efficiency issues that need to be put into play with a provider's office, but it's only going to improve the efficiency and let, you know, make it less chaotic when it comes to the administrative burden of being at a network.
1: So Michelle, that was a mouthful. There was a lot to that answer. Let me summarize it this way. And if, please tell me if I didn't get this right, but is NSA then it's certainly encouraging. I don't know that I want to use the word incentivizing, but I think it's encouraging providers to become in-network, right? If a provider today is out-of-network, it's encouraging them to become in-network providers, right, with with health plans that they may not have been in-network with before.
0: Absolutely. It's definitely, and I like your choice of words, it definitely encourages those providers to increase their payer base.
1: Have we seen, Michelle, just, and again, I know that, you know, this hasn't been around for years and years and years. It, again, January 1, 2022, it, it came into effect So have we seen that transition or that migration from out-of-network to in-network? I don't know if there's statistics out there, but have we seen that starting to occur?
0: Definitely. Based on my experience with NSA and, you know, here at Baker Tilly working with clients, absolutely. I think there's a trend going in that direction. You know, we've done some NSA webinars and there's a great amount of interest in it and what the benefits are. And we get a lot of questions around the NSA. But the answer is yes. I think there's definitely a trend because the freedom of balanced billing no longer exists the way it used to.
1: And I think it's one of those, you know, healthcare as we all know, right? You know, Kevin Michelle, a heavily regulated environment. So the NSA, when it first came out, was being discussed many years ago. It was yet another potentially viewed maybe as another legislative burden, another thing we need to comply with, another thing we need to do. But I guess if you look at it glass half full, right, instead of glass half empty, there are some opportunities here for providers. The bottom line is the legislation's in effect. People need to comply with it, so you may as well learn to deal with it as effectively as you can to be- for the benefit of your organization and ultimately your patients for the provider and, and certainly members from a from a health plan perspective. So, So, Michelle, thank you for that. So we talked about opportunities there that NSA presents for providers. Let's flip that on the other side and go to health plans. And Kevin, can you talk about some of the operational challenges that NSA presents for health plans from a compliance perspective? So maybe we talk a little about this. I
2: think we use the term, and we're talking about uh, providers that are encouraged to become a network because they've lost the ability to balance bill in many cases. Let's talk a little bit about how they are paid. So before NSA, if there was a provider that was non-contracted, meaning they don't have a contract with a particular payer, then the payer will set the rate for services based on usually some state norm or, frankly, whatever the, pay- the providers will accept. That could be based on Medicare. It could be based on in-network state averages. It could be based on a percent of the charges that were billed to some degree, there was some flexibility and freedom for the health plan to decide what they would pay to a non-contracted provider. And the provider, while they, of course, want a larger payment, even if the payment was less than they expected, let's say it was Medicare, they always had the option of balance billing the patient. They could always say, look, our fees for this were $3,000. The health plan only paid us $1,000. I can balance bill the $2,000 to the patient. And even if I don't collect all of it, I can still recoup quite a bit up to my charges. With NSA, there's so many cases where providers cannot balance bill such that the amount of out-of-network payment, the non-contracted payment, becomes even more important. And so there's scrutiny in the post-NSA world about these payment amounts. And so it's important that the payers and providers you know, get it right. The payers need to make sure that they are able to calculate a payment amount that the providers can accept otherwise the providers have the option to use an independent dispute resolution process whereby within 30 days of the payment they can dispute what the payment was and negotiate enter open negotiation for you know for additional payment and so it becomes operationally burdensome for the payers to make sure they're calculating this out-of-network allowed amounts, the payment amounts, properly. Secondly, there's another operational component to all of this for the payers, and that's the member share. So before NSA, member share was almost always calculated based on the, the payment amount. So if in the case we used just a few minutes ago, if the health plan pays at $1,000 and the member's coinsurance is 20%, the member pays $200. In the post-NSA world, the, the coinsurance is not based on the, on the payment amount anymore. It's based on this new concept called a QPA, the Qualified Payment Amount. And that amount reflects the median in-network rate for a similar service. So it says, okay, if a patient went to the ER, what would the payment have been if the patient was in-network? So we now have a different amount that drives the member payment. And that QPA on paper sounds relatively straightforward to calculate. Okay, we just take the, the median in-network rate of all of the different rates that we have, dark provider community, but in actuality is, is very complicated to calculate. And we can talk more about that if you'd like to, Mark. But when we get into the details, 80 pages of the 400 page final rule documents are instructions on how to calculate this this qpa amount and they're they're complicated they require sufficient information what does a rate mean and then how do you calculate a a median rate if one of the rates is a percent of build charges and one of the rates is a case rate so there becomes some math challenges you know involved in calculating qpas as well so summing that up payers have two challenges first they need to calculate an out-of-network payment amount that's acceptable to both them and the provider. And two, they need to calculate this QPA, which is used in calculating what the patient or the member owes. So two new aspects that one of which the out-of-network allowed, which they've been doing, but more scrutiny. And the QPA, which is brand new, a new concept that you know, has gotten introduced to operational and um, you know, claim processing systems.
1: And like you said, they've always had, right? The health plans from an out-of-network perspective always had to pay the providers something that was acceptable to the provider and, and, and certainly to the health plan. But pre-NSA, the providers had the ability to balance bill, right? So now what, what might have been acceptable to the provider, the payment from the health plan pre-NSA to the provider, you know, may have been acceptable to the provider because they knew they could balance bill at this point, it's different, right? The providers are viewing those payments differently. That's right.
2: And Michelle, I mean, we just had a client ask us, the provider client said, we think we're getting underpaid for these ER visits. We've got a large out-of-network population. They're not in network with all of the national payers, so they get a fair amount of, of patients visiting their ER who are non-contract. And in the past, it wasn't as big of a deal because they could balance bill the, you know, the patient was, was standard practice. But now they've lost that tool and they're saying to us, Baker Tilly, can you help us figure out what we should be getting paid for these ER visits so that we know when we should enter this independent dispute resolution process to ask for more
1: payment? I think that's a great segue, actually, to my next question for Michelle, which is, Michelle, what are the key operational challenges for providers relative to the NSA? And I guess it's maybe to comply with the NSA, but also... Other challenges that the NSA may present to providers, and I think what Kevin just talked about is one of those challenges. How do providers know they're being paid fairly by the health plans post-NSA for out-of-network patients?
0: Yeah, so that's a very good question, and I'm not sure most of them do know. That's something that there are tools out there, benchmarking tools and transparency files that need to be researched. I think One important thing and strategies for a provider is to do revenue reconciliation. They really need to be looking at what they're getting paid from health plans historically. Don't always accept it for face value. Are you getting paid correctly? Are you getting paid according to your contract? What is your contract? So, I mean, I think that's a key challenge. I also think because the NSA introduced, for example, the IDR process, which is something fairly new, it's a process. It's a costly process. And you have to look at the resources that you have in your office to go through that if you choose to remain at a network. So that that's definitely a consideration. I think also providers really need to take a look at how important the patient satisfaction is. And by going in network, or should I say do the opposite, by staying out of network and maintaining their patient base, there is an impact on that satisfaction, right? Because it's easier for a member to go in network and it's much more seamless. So there's that aspect of it. And then I think also, too, just going back for one minute to the revenue and the out-of-network rates more and more providers are becoming much more savvy and investing in systems and vendors and third-party administrators. But there's a lot of providers out there that really just don't have the tools and the resources to do the type of reconciliations needed to determine, should I stay out of network? Should I go in network? So I think there's definitely a lot, it's on the flip. You know, there's a lot of operational efficiency opportunities that this NSA is presenting to providers.
1: And you mentioned the dispute resolution process, you know, Kevin mentioned it as well, Michelle, and I'm sure from both a a provider and a payer perspective, they want to avoid, they want to do everything they can to avoid the dispute resolution process because it just adds administrative costs, just more administrative burden. So, from the health plans perspective, making sure they've got methodologies in place to determine appropriate, fair, let's call it fair amounts that are being paid to providers for services rendered to out-of-network patients, and then providers having systems in place to make sure they can assess whether or not the payments that they are being paid are are fair from their perspective. So obviously, health plans want to be fair, providers want to be treated fairly. If they both believe that everything's fair, then they can certainly avoid that. I would imagine that IDR process, right? Because that's got to be a, that adds another layer of complexity
0: Absolutely. And and just what we're seeing now with the IDR process is the amount of volume that is going through the IDR process, I think, was unanticipated and therefore there has been some timeliness issues. So it's, it's you know, it's a process that's still being worked out and it's something to seriously think about from the provider perspective, if you really do want to stay out of network and do you really want to go through this process?
1: And the volume, you mentioned the volume of the IDR is significant, but the legislation is still relatively young, right? I mean, it just, it's been in play for, we're recording this podcast in June of 23. So it's, you know, 18 months in play. and, And so time goes by and health plans do their thing, providers do their thing. Maybe that volume will decrease a bit. So Kevin, coming back to you on the health plan side, Beyond compliance challenges, what are the impacts that the NSA has on health plans? Well, I think there's an opportunity here
2: for the payers to take advantage of the goodwill that the NSA affords. I mean, this is ultimately, this is good for members. This is good for employer groups. So in the past, members would need to pay potentially balanced bills and employer groups even take steps that say we'll pay the entire bill charge amount so that our members don't need, you know to receive a balance bill. They pay the you know the payments from the employer groups and from patients were, were higher than than what they will be under the NSA. I think the health plan should take advantage of this goodwill. They can tout that they are operationally compliant. They're generating good, accurate UPAs on behalf of their customers. They've set out-of-network rates, barely, but at a point that they don't believe that there'll be administrative burden with the IDR, and they can tout the, the benefits to members. Even if members and customers aren't aware that this is legislatively mandated, they can still take advantage of some of the goodwill. And then two, let's come back to what Michelle said earlier about more providers maybe coming in network. Payers should try to take advantage of this. It's generally better for them to have more providers in network. It's good for network adequacy. It's good for for members in seeing that the provider networks are large and cover their area. Take advantage of that. But get your contracting teams and your credentialing teams and your network consultants ready to bring on on some new providers. Definitely need to get ready for that.
0: And just one comment from my perspective on the health plan, similar to what Kevin said, is really, I think health plans really need to take a look at the impact on member satisfaction that the NSA presents for members. Because in my experience, one of the biggest complaints, member-related complaints, is balance bills. And I think if you could reduce that by bringing more providers in network, it's going to have a positive impact on member satisfaction. And as we all know, member satisfaction is very tied to health plans ratings and member engagement. So I think it's a win-win for everyone. It's just, I think, coming to terms with the challenges that it takes to operationalize it on both sides.
1: Well said, Michelle. And Kevin, both you and Michelle, your your responses have been pretty upbeat, right? This discussion has been pretty upbeat relative to NSA and the impact that NSA can have on both health plans, you know, payers and and providers, albeit with any new legislation, there are challenges. Any new legislation, there's always challenges, but the legislation's there, you need to comply with it. And so you've got to turn the page then and look at the opportunities, the benefits, if you will, that you guys have just described for both, again, the payers and, and providers. So I- You know, there's a lot to be negative about in healthcare today relative to at least the provider side of it. You know, the economic environment's a a tough one, providers struggling financially. But I like the tone here of, of our discussion that even though it's new legislation can be viewed a bit negatively, there's some real opportunities here. Before we shut down the discussion here, guys, I did have one other question. And Kevin, maybe for you and then Michelle, you can pile on. And One of you mentioned the word transparency in one of your responses. So we know we have the price transparency and that's a whole separate topic. We're not gonna get into the price transparency and that legislation on this podcast. The price transparency is out there, right? And providers need to be complying with that. Payers need to be complying with that. And so relative to price transparency, there's certainly a connection between NSA and price transparency, not legislatively, Certainly, but I think operationally and strategically, and Kevin, maybe starting with you, can you just comment briefly on on maybe that connectivity between NSA and price transparency?
2: Transparency and coverage has made rates between payers and providers publicly available. They're not perfect, they're hard to use, and they are not 100% reflective of all the details of the rates. But but this is information that's never that's never been public before, and. Healthcare stakeholders, consulting companies, many players in this industry are scrambling to figure out how to use this data, but it comes at a good time because as Michelle and and I were talking about earlier, what's the right rate for a non-contracted ER claim? How do we know what if you, and you mentioned this too, Mark, what's a fair rate? Transparency can only help that. If we've got data points that say, Here's what the ER rates are for this CPT code in this area for the top 10 health plans. That gives us a pretty good idea of what a fair rate looks like, at least on the end you know, side. So I think it becomes one more arrow in our quiver on being able to access what fair rates look like.
1: Yeah, agreed. Michelle, anything to add to what Kevin said?
0: No, I mean, I think, Kevin, you covered it. I th- I think also, too, transparency is important. Very important to members now, and members will and do have access to this. Maybe not in the friendliest format, but I think the goal. There's a an underlying theme in healthcare now, and it's transparency. Uh, you know, I, it's just a key theme, and the files are just one of the steps in the right direction that's being introduced.
1: Yeah, no. So again, some connectivity there, and the legislation that is produced at the federal level. There's sometimes zero connectivity, but in this case, maybe there is. There is some. So so we're at the end of our discussion here, and I, I think we could have spent another 30 to 60 to, to 90 minutes talking more about the NSA, because there's a lot more to, you know, we could have peeled the onion back further here. But I think we gave our, our listeners enough of a background to understand a little bit about NSA. Again, some of the challenges, some of the opportunities for both health plans and providers. And I, I can't thank you enough, Kevin Michelle, for joining me on the podcast. Your expertise was certainly appreciated very much. And I also want to thank our listeners for joining this podcast if you found this episode useful and would like to listen to more episodes about hot topics in the healthcare industry. Please subscribe to our Healthy Outcomes podcast or learn more by visiting us at bakertilly.com.
0: Thank you for listening. To receive notifications when new episodes are available, please subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts. For additional resources, check out bakertilly.com.